Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the debut grand opening of Mad Villain Bistro Bed and Breakfast Bar Grill Cafe Lounge on the Water. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Terry Talks Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Clayton Terry. I'm Ryan Terry. And Ethan will not be joining us because he has not finished what we will be discussing, despite the fact that he's put probably the most time into the predecessor of all of us. But we are joined by Nick Bova. Hello. <laughs> you may recognize Nick's voice from uh, the episode where we talked about just top 10, top 2010s media. He was one of the guests on there. But now we're going to talk and have a longer discussion about something I know that's very beloved to you. And that is the Last of Us franchise. Specifically, we're going to dive into the second game. This is going to be the first episode in hopefully a series of horror Halloween related things. Um, We'll see how many episodes I'm actually able to release this October, but that's the goal. So thank you for joining on a Friday night at seven. (laughs) I had a break from doing homework that's due at midnight to record this. Oh jeez. My my guitar professor wants me to practice four hours a day. Jesus Christ. So that's what I'm doing after this. You you got like four hours left in the day after yeah, this. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> cool. So I figured we would start this off by just talking about our general feelings towards the first Last of Us game. This came out in 2013 and was of course published by Naughty Dog as a PS3 exclusive at the time. I only recently played the game, and I think Ryan played it for the first time recently as well. So I kind of want to start with Bova on this. Tell us about your feelings towards the first Last of Us game. Um, so the first game is definitely something I hear, I, I hold very dear and close to my heart. Um, it's probably, I, I would probably call it my favorite game of all time, just because wow. I, I forgot how old I was in 2013. I was like... 14 probably 13 but uh it was just such a revolutionary game uh story-wise i'd never really played anything quite like it and i just got so invested emotionally into all those characters and uh just the gameplay too it was just unlike something i ever played before it was i don't know it <laughs> it's it's probably my favorite game of all time i've been hearing about this game for seven years now (laughs) uh i remember being your favorite game for basically as long as we've been friends so sorry it took me a pandemic to play it but you could you could argue that's fitting almost yeah it's it it you know i i looked back at some of the uh you know just the beginning footage of the game and it's weird sometimes looking at the parallels of like oh this is the start of the uh the virus or the fungus infection in Last of Us, and it's kind of similar to how it happened in with coronavirus, which is weird mm-hmm. and scary. But yeah, it's, I'm glad you finally played it after <laughs> me saying it was a great game for seven years. Yeah, this uh, might be trivial for all of us, but I'm curious. Out of ten, I mean, it's your favorite game of all time. Uh, I would probably give it a ten. Perfect. Ryan, let's uh, let's go to you next. Tell me about your experience with the first game. Yeah, so I played it around when it came out, 2013, 2014. Uh, not all the way through. I think I got to fall. And I was definitely too young to really appreciate it. Uh, I remember really <laughs> liking it. But some of the themes definitely hold a lot more water <laughs> when you're older. I was 
12, 13. And so when I played it this time, I'd restarted and I played the remaster on PS4 and I loved it. I thought it was incredible. Um, by this point, I had heard like you or Ethan complain about some gameplay clunky. I think specifically Ethan, because he played it on PS3, complained about some gameplay clunkiness. Mm. And I think they definitely fixed that in the remaster. Um, I loved it. It, it. it was very, especially the ending was very effective on me uh i was not expecting and i think i would easily say it's my top five favorite games of all time wow yeah. so another 10 out of 10 it sounds like <laughs> yeah 10 uh nine or 10 mm-hmm. awesome yeah i'm in a similar boat of i played i put probably four or five hours into it on ps3 when we had that console and i just i enjoyed it but i never got hooked with the gameplay and then with quarantine rolling around and knowing the new game was coming out, and again, knowing it was one of Bova's favorites, it's a favorite for a lot of people, I finally decided to hop on, and I loved the game. I think I talk about this in the previous episode we did, but I knew the story would be good because at this point, like, everyone told me the story was be- would be good. But, like, I am so into the gameplay of these games. I think I like the gameplay more than the story. And that is what got me hooked in the beginning. And then what kept me playing was trying to find out how Ellie and Joel's story would conclude. And um, I want to get your thoughts on the ending as well. But since Ryan brought it up, I was torn on the ending, I would say. I feel like it was right for the story that they were seeking to tell. But... I was almost more frustrated with interpretations that Joel wasn't just the outright villain now, like of this story, like of humankind, like he's the villain to that. And I think having that attitude towards him is, it really plays into how I feel about the second game, but we'll certainly get into that. Bova, maybe if you could give us a bit of how you felt about the ending. Um, so I remember the ending i uh i liked it um you know i it was definitely one of those things where you struggle with a bit because it's like he killed all these people but he saved this character that we're very attached to i have my own reasons that i guess we'll find out later why i'm i'm actually a bit more okay with what joel did now the second game's released than when uh it was just the first game but um i thought it was just a genius way to end that game um it left it open either for the game to just no longer progress in the story or to create another game which i felt that ending very it left it open to what neil truckman the director wanted to do with it and uh just like um you mentioned before like maybe the um player should be seeing joel more as a villain but um i think it kind of played into the the world that there's no good guys and into the fact that there's no good guys in this world. And, uh, I don't know. I just kind of like that a lot. Mm -hmm. I think the central theme of last of us, I could say the whole franchise, but specifically this game is, can you sacrifice someone you love? No matter for what reason, what is on the table? How much is it worth? Can you do it? And in the case of Joel, and in the case of this game, no. He very much could not. (laughs) 
and that that is something that i never really seen the the question has, i feel like has been flirted with in post-apocalyptic media but the conclusion that joel comes to is kind of a rare one in the genre yeah which i've found extremely exciting and interesting the moral implications of what he did yeah like i cannot sacrifice someone and i do not feel bad about that for one second <laughs> yeah no i definitely can relate to like how joel is feeling especially at the end of the game um it was it's a struggle because <laughs> um, on one hand you've got a cure and on the other hand like this is your second chance at a daughter so it's it's a really tough struggle there at the end of the second end of the first game mm-hmm so now, um, with our thoughts on the first game kind of out there, I'd love to dive into the second game. This is, of course, very controversial, this game. But something I think a lot of people agree on is the attributes of the actual gameplay behind it. So I kind of wanted to start there. How did you guys each feel about playing this game? Like the actual mechanics of it, the fluidity of it, uh favorite set pieces just give me kind of a broad overview of what that was like for you maybe we'll start with ryan i just thought they took everything that the first game built and made it play and feel better like i liked i really liked the gameplay in the first game i thought everything was improved upon in this game for sure i would definitely agree i feel like i'm playing the I've played through the Uncharted games as I talked through last time. I really love that Uncharted collection, but like Last of Us, both of the games are just like leagues above uh, any Uncharted thing, I think. And I'm getting frustrated now that I'm in the middle of Uncharted 4 of like the sameness of the gameplay. It's like, do a puzzle in a temple, and now we're going to shoot some guys. Do a puzzle in a temple, shoot some guys. And the Last of Us 2 and the first one that I just gravitate so much towards is the different approaches you can take to playing like you can go loud you can go quiet you can fight melee and just the fluidity of the melee fights is amazing i don't know if you guys are on the subreddit but like people will post gifs of like big fights where they don't get hit once and it looks like a fucking movie like it flows so well and just like the scavenging aspect i really love like slowly improving my character going from like barely can hold any bullets and i'm gonna miss all these shots because i'm just wavering a bunch and i have no stamina and health to like oh ellie and abby are like badasses and they're different badasses you know they upgrade different skills uh abby's obviously much more brawn ellie's more um stealth and dexterity so just that the dynamic nature of the gameplay and how different it is is what draws me to it immediately they feel different to play yeah for sure yeah um to kind of build on what clayton was saying um what i really liked about the second game is that they took what worked they didn't try to fix it they just made it better they added to it and it was just i don't know it it was just so engaging every time i was in a fight either against you know human npcs or zombies or infected whatever you want to say but um it was just the the flow of some of these fights like you you could feel it like once you did a fight well like and you 
if you didn't get hit or you got hit very few times it just looked incredible and the fluid it it's just it just flows like water it's insane the mm-hmm. new game the first game too like i mean it was pretty revolutionary for 2013 that type of gameplay i do have to say mm-hmm. yeah like we may be able to say like oh it felt clunky now but i feel like that's in retrospect maybe because like that's coming out at the same time as like i guess bioshock infinite was around then but that that even that game which i truly truly love and might be my favorite of all time like it doesn't feel as fluid as even the first one feels like they they really got the gameplay down which i don't know if they had to if they were gonna put a story this good up but yeah no they definitely didn't even have to change anything about it they just added to it it's i don't know mm-hmm. me and my roommate have been playing through the arkham games and we just got to arkham city and watching I'm watching him play that because I've already played it, but just the fluidity of the combat and mm-hmm. like how revolutionary that game. I feel like a lot of third person action type games took a lot of cues from it. Last of Us less so, but I feel like to a certain extent, some of the melee combat feels super fluid. Mm-hmm. We're talking about like all my favorite games now. We've touched on Bioshock, The Last of Us, and Arkham <laughs> now <games>. Arkham. <laughs> It's like all you need in third person. Or I guess Bioshock even it's first person. But Do you guys have any like standout moments gameplay wise for Last of Us 2? Maybe I'll start with Bova for this. Oh jeez. The moment or gameplay that sticks out most to me is probably when you're playing as Abby and I don't remember the name of the enemy this is, but it's just like this huge The Rat King. The Rat King. <laughs> That thing was insane, um, and you have to just throw everything you got at it and hope you kill it because you you start out running away from it, and let me just say the running scenes in this game are also fantastic. Yes. They get your heart beating, and they're just so well done. You're in a movie almost, and you you start out running away. You figure out you can't get away, so you have to fight it, and my god, that fight was incredible. That's so genius, too, because Naughty Dog has so many, both in Last of Us and Uncharted, they have so many moments where you run from something, and then the threat, like, falls into a ravine, and it's just over. But this, it's like you run from it, assuming it's going to be that kind of a sequence, and then you drop into a spot, and Abby even says, like, okay, let's fucking go. And you're like, oh, I have to fight this. And that's definitely a highlight for me, too. What about you, Ryan? There was this one, a lot of, that was incredible. That part was, uh, scared the shit out of me absolutely (laughs) it was just like the whole lead up to it i was like i know something big's gonna happen here this is bad and then when it actually happened i i was not prepared because like Mm -hmm. usually usually the game is very realistic and the way that it approaches new infected is very realistic and it's like so we have like the bloater is the most infected has been infected for the longest and in that, and I mean this in a good way, it just felt like a video game boss. Yeah. It was like, holy shit. Very Resident Evil now that I've played that second game. Oh, yeah. And uh, a lot of my favorite gameplay moments honestly had more to do with, like, we are going to a place that I know something big's going to happen. Like, okay. there are two, there are two, uh, there's only one example I have of that in particular, and it was Ellie uh driving the boat to the aquarium 
Yes. That gave me that made me so tense. I was like, I cannot put down this game. So much dread in that boat. And there's so much just the yeah. weather and how everything looks and the fact that you can see where you're going at all times is so cool. And then the other my other part was when you're playing as Abby and uh I'm blanking on Joel's brother's name. Tommy. Tommy, Tommy yeah. He uh he's sniping at Abby. And yes, like it's it's interesting talking to people about that scene because I've heard like instantly the first time I was playing it, I was like, oh, that's that's Tommy. I was like, there's no mm-hmm. it's obviously. T-. But then other people were like, uh, like complaining about like they thought like I hate this sniper. I want to kill this sniper. And then they get up to the sniper and they realize it's Tommy. And it's like the game tricks you into making you yeah. hate a character one of the main characters it's so smart there's so many little gameplay like the that's something that i find last of us excelled at more than any other game is gameplay enhances story and it's not it's not like gameplay stops and story starts it's like you feel the story happening as you're playing the game that's why it always bothered me that people called it like you know we watch funhouse and james always calls it like a movie (laughs) And that, yeah, but he's he's a dumbass. <laughs> that really well. The thing that bothers me about that is like this is like peak storytelling in gaming. Yeah, this is how to diegetically tell a story. It's not like like Uncharted One has more cutscenes than Last of Us One has. Really, I think unless it was it, uh, it <laughs> you're just been, saying that. <laughs> no, it might have been two or three. It was like one of the Uncharted games that was about the same length gameplay wise doubled. <laughs> The amount of cutscene length that Last of Us had. Wow, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. <laughs> I could actually, I could actually see it being all three. Now that I'm thinking about it, for the first one, because the second game's obviously much longer than anything they've created. Mm-hmm. Also, I, since we were talking about it earlier, I played the first Uncharted as well. Super clunky. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was horribly clunky. It was Uncharted, a lot of fun, but... yeah, Uncharted walks so uh, Last of Us could run. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you know, and like. I think about, uh, there's this term, ludonarrative dissidence, right? Where Uncharted 1, I hate to keep like rapping on this game because I, I love it, but that's really bad about ludonarrative distance because you have this character who's supposed to be like a chaotic good. Like, oh, I'm not the kind of guy to just like shoot the main antagonist in the back of the head. Like, I need a reason to kill him. Like, he's keeping someone ha- captive. Meanwhile, someone kept track and you murdered literally a thousand henchmen in that game. <laughs> I was going to say, that's something I noticed in the game. I was like, Nathan Drake is killing a lot of people right now. And with Last of Us... It gets pretty frustrating. Well, it's funny going from... Because I played Last of Us 2 and then um, Uncharted. And Last of Us 2 is like, look at all of these people you're killing. Look at them. Exactly. They have families and children. You should feel bad about this. And Uncharted's like, oh, he ran into a spike. Isn't that cool? (laughs) It's like, he blew up. That's epic. (laughs) And, like, it's okay for a video game to do that. And, yeah, like you're saying, it's just, like, you feel every death. Like, you turn the camera around as you're, like, slitting someone's throat, and you see, like, the anguish in their face and, like, the anger in Abby's eye or in uh, Ellie's eyes, or Abby's if she's suffocating someone. It's just, like, or the case of Whitney, where it's, like, she just seems like some another person you're killing in a cutscene, but then you get to know her and you just feel so bad. Um 
Whitney being the one character that you like sneak up on in the water and whatnot. Playing the PS Vita. Yes, exactly. That's why I should have just said (laughs) the cool little tune. (laughs) She's playing Hotline Miami. Yes, Yes, that's what it was. I have a few favorite gameplay moments that I want to kind of run through, and I'm curious what you guys think. Uh, I think my favorite part of the game, in terms of like section, is the open world section of Ellie Seattle Day One when you're just kind of wandering around exploring that map. Uh, But in general, that whole day is probably my favorite because that's when you have that open world section. You see the shamblers in the tunnels, which is crazy. And that's when you have the museum flashback, which I think is the strongest flashback with Joel by like a mile. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. Yeah, Yeah, I forgot about that. That museum flashback. It got me, it got me. (laughs) Yeah, and putting that after he's dead is so smart. Yeah. As opposed to telling the game in chronological order. Yeah. I also, and I was just replaying this moment because I replayed the game a little bit to get a feel of like how I still felt about the game. And there's one point where you find a workbench in Ellie Day 2. Bovin knows what I'm going to say. And you start you start doing um, like your work and it feels like, oh, I'm in the gameplay menu. Like nothing can hurt me. And you hear like someone screaming and charged footsteps towards you. And I fucking shit my pants the first time I was playing. And you just get like hit over the head with a crowbar by a wolf. And there's like these four wolves that were hiding in a room that just seemed locked before. But now they're attacking you in this moment where you thought you were safe. And besides being like, just on a meta level like such a cool thing for for a game to have like it furthers you into this world of like everything is dangerous all the time yeah yeah i I love that part so much there's just like you're just never safe in the game no (laughs) and then there's the ellie and jesse car escape which is another moment i think that's in oh is that in day one that's so good no it's day two isn't it because day two yeah it's day day one because they go back to the theater and day one ends at the theater you yeah. are correct yeah and then just the beginning part with abby um most of my stuff has involved ellie so far but the moment in the beginning with abby where she's being chased by a massive horde and she bumps into tommy and joel i feel like that immediately like okay we know where we were for last of us one we are upping the stakes like mm-hmm. more zombies it's gonna be harder what you have to do like more intense and i really appreciated that and that was another element that had me like leaning forward in my seat like okay here we go Mm -hmm. any other gameplay aspects or moments you guys want to talk about i sort of wish the open world stuff was more frequent like even even like one or two more i mean the game's very linear and I don't know. It was just it was just a nice pocket where it's like, oh, shit, the shotgun's right here. Because in the first game, it takes like eight hours to get the shotgun. And this one, I, because I went into some random bank, I was like, oh, I feel decked out. Yeah. Thank God the shotgun comes up earlier because that is objectively the best game or the best gun. I know. I, I don't know what I would have done without it. <laughs> shotgun was very useful. I found myself using... When I was LA, I found myself using Joel's revolver a lot. I feel like that was a pretty yes. pretty fun weapon to use. That was a good gun. I felt like I used the bow and arrow more in the first game. I definitely used the crossbow a lot as Abby, but as Ellie, I just never found arrows. Yeah, <laughs> bow and arrow was fun, but yeah, I had the same problem. I couldn't really find many arrows around in the second game. It's so satisfying. I was like, oh, it's instantly just a one-hit kill wherever I hit them, and I would hit like 
a seraphite in the like stomach for the first time and they would like <laughs> get hit and then like look at me and i was like oh fuck <laughs> it's not one hit kill and their lungs are sp- or their guts are spilling out it's yeah it's such a violent game oh it's so graphic yeah there was one moment with a seraphite where it was one of those things where it's like just kill me why don't you where they're like not quite dead but they i thought they can't fight back but then i had one time where i didn't kill someone and they picked up a gun and shot me in the back of the head so they were like, just do it. So I pulled my bow and I shot him. And it's kind of hard to describe, but the way it hit looked so real. Where it feels like in other games, it's like, oh, I hit him in the head with a bow and arrow. Like, it's going to go in just like one spot. But like, this specifically entered like just over his eyebrow, like into his head. And he face planted. And I just like paused the game and I was like, fuck, this is too much. I can't. It It's so realistic. And in that realism, it brings you just the worst like gore and violence that's insane there was one part where they um it was in the like subway i think where they uh there was a wolves looking for me and clickers all around me and so yes i I I love that moment i threw a bottle at a clicker and then all the clickers started swarming on the wolves yes and like that's the stuff that was like really exciting was just using the environment to actively help murder people (laughs) (laughs) that's exactly what i did too i was like can i just put these clicker can i sick them on the wolves and it was great watching them fight each other from a distance one thing i want to bring up do you guys remember when you're first introduced to the seraphites almost maybe you're a little bit into it but you come up on the ceremony where there's a person about to be hanged by the seraphites and they're about to cut their stomachs and you like Mm kind of watch them gut this person um on a playback of just that exactly you can actually kill the seraphite before they gut the person but just to show how brutal this game is the person will still fall and hang and die if you stop the seraphite from gutting them you can't save them no it's absolutely brutal (laughs) That's horrible. They had to program that in. They had to think about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they had to think of that scenario. That's a good point. Yeah. They purposely, they could have had you save that person. Yeah. And they just like run away. But no. Yeah. Also, I don't think Ellie would save that person. Oh, probably not. It's... Which she wouldn't want to intervene and reveal herself, probably. Yeah. The Seraphite, the first time you run into the Seraphites is like horrifying. Because they're, they're mm-hmm. the oh, most yeah. brutal group in the game. Maybe not even in gameplay-wise, but just story-wise, seeing them. And yeah. environment-wise, like, it's very obvious that, like... Especially when Ellie's entering the Seraphite zone, it's like, holy shit, these guys are serious. Mm-hmm. On that note, talking about, like, Ellie and Seraphites now, I think it might be a good time to start to move into the story. So, I might kick us off here because I feel like Maybe maybe me and Ryan are tied, but I loved the story in this game. I feel like it did something I've never seen any piece of media ever do. The closest I can imagine is maybe the A Song of Ice and Fire books, because in a book you can get inside of a character's head, um, unlike you can with a movie or a TV show. But with a video game, you were actually that character. Like, you are abby hunting down joel in the beginning you are ellie hunting down abby when the game is at uh the conclusion and you 
have more fondness for Abby. This game's notions about the cyclical nature of violence and the power of forgiveness were just on another level of anything I've ever seen. And despite my complete shock when it went from Ellie Day 3 to Abby Day 1, or I think it just says Seattle Day 1 again, despite that complete shock and the frustration that all of my upgrades were reset, I think this game on a story level is just absolutely next level. I love the story in this game. I thought it was incredible. I I, th- I would say a lot of the th- same things you said where this is impossible to tell in any other medium. Like this is what video game storytelling is most effective at. And I think that's something that to an extent some of the outrage given the story and maybe some of the justified outrage even, although I don't I would disagree is do you see the character as the character or do you see the character as you are you joel or are you just playing are you just joel's vessel you know i think some of the people who don't who wasn't who weren't fans of this game couldn't separate the fact that they are not playing they do not have control over the character that they are playing yeah that's a really good point you as ellie have to kill Nora. You have to beat her to death. Like, it doesn't make you watch it, but it makes you swing the crowbar. Like, you play as the character that kills the character you play as last time for almost 50% of the game. Like, it is forcing your hand, and people maybe couldn't handle that. And there's kind of like a... There's a kind of like Game of Thrones, like, oh, they killed Ned Stark so early type thing about it yeah but if it was just that if it was just oh they killed the main character it wouldn't cut as deep as oh they killed me they killed yeah. the person that i played as like they kill it feels like a part of you from the first game is dead which is incredibly brave of them yeah i i really like that uh analogy that way of describing it bova (laughs) we're we're setting you up but how how do you feel about the story of last of us two so overall i liked the story but i did have my quarrels with it which i'm sure you guys probably wouldn't agree with but um i guess my my main not my main problem but like one of my problems if we want to kind of go chronologically one of them will lie in joel's death not that I'm not okay with his death. I think he should have died in this game. I'm not the biggest fan of the execution of the death, per se. Um, here you have this character that you spent so much time with, and I I was a little bit angered at the thought that they just kind of, you know, he, him and Tommy put themselves in kind of a dumb situation where they're just trusting these random strangers that they encountered some zombies with and tommy's like oh come back to our place come stock up at my town um i feel like they wouldn't really have done that in the first game maybe times have changed but um i i was a little bit irked by that and also i just didn't didn't enjoy seeing joel go out to a golf club it was kind of a pathetic death in my opinion and you know as as someone 
um, that was held him very dear to his heart. Um, I'd have like I would have liked to see, I don't know, something a little bit more meaningful to the death. But I guess it's just kind of what they're going for is something to just to make the player a bit angry and irked, which I can understand. But uh, that's just my problems with Joel's death. Just to play devil's advocate, because I, I agree with you to a certain extent. Um, maybe, would you argue, maybe that's what they were going for in the theme of the whole thing? Because Joel, maybe he is just stupid, maybe it's bad writing, or maybe he softened and now he's kinder to people. And showing that kindness in this world is what will lead you to getting beat to death by a golf club. Like, mm-hmm. could you see maybe that being playing into that overall aspect of the world yeah i could definitely see that as being their point kind of um you know joel does appear a bit softer in his scenes with ellie you know he's not the even even in the first game he was softer by the end but um i just from like a survivalist point of view i felt it to be a little bit off but i mean it's not my main complaint i Um, felt like because living because they were living in the commune they had the luxury of not having a survivalist attitude of yeah. sort of returning to a pre virus world. And mm-hmm. I think that um, they probably maybe could have done more to show that off. But I also think that to display that angel's death without um, explicitly saying it was, a good idea um and i think it speaks less to how the developers think of joel or how the developers want the player to think of joel and how as opposed to how the developers want to show their world Mm -hmm. and want to show how brutal and dark and unforgiving the world is even compared to last of us one yeah Mm -hmm. What are, what are some other quarrels? I don't I don't want this to become you bring up a problem with the game and we just disagree, but um, we'll see. Maybe it leads to fruitful discussion. Um, I guess another one that immediately pops up in my head. I should have written them down. But uh, the other one is the character Jesse. Mm. Great character. Um, would have liked to see more of him. And also, I felt like they kind of just brushed over his death. It's probably... They probably did this on purpose, but... You know, you just see him get shot in the head by Abby when he walks into the room, and then he's pretty much never mentioned ever again for being one of the supposedly staple characters in this new game. Yeah. And uh, I guess that's one of the other things that kind of bugged me about the game, story-wise. I, I totally agree with you there, honestly. Like, they don't even bring up that, like, the baby is Jesse's. <laughs> they yeah. just kind of, like, it's obvious, but they just kind of go past it. It would have been nice if in a cutscene in the cutscenes where or in the gameplay sections where Ellie was thinking about or hallucinating Joel, if Jesse was also included in there in some way. Mm-hmm. Maybe not to the same extent. Yeah, because mention that like Ellie's because it, it's Ellie's fault that Jesse dies. Yeah. Yeah, directly. Yeah. And maybe like maybe it's just because I'm a fan of like melodrama and good acting but like in movies where characters just like the camera doesn't move from them and they just like kind of like sob in pain or in anger i think are really powerful like i don't think either of you have seen it but the movie mandy there's a scene where the nicholas cage character just goes into a bathroom and he just kind of while cream while <laughs> while crying starts screaming 
And like while he's he's drinking like vodka and he throws it against the wall and the camera just doesn't cut. And they kind of do that in this game when Ellie finds out that Joel killed all the fireflies. I would have liked another moment of that of like Ellie and Dina without words, just reckoning with this grief that arguably they caused. Hmm. Yeah, no, I can agree with that. Um, definitely, definitely, those scenes are powerful in the game. Another one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, another thing that kind of bugged me a little bit was um, Dina's pregnancy. Um, Dina was a character that. I liked a lot, and I really liked, like, in day one, seeing the dynamic of Dina and Ellie, and I found myself wanting more of that, but this pregnancy for Dina, it kind of felt a little bit lazy in that it's another drama storyline that I don't really need, like, it's 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 enough that, like, Ellie is dating Dina, who is Jesse's former girlfriend, and then the three of them are just kind of surviving together, but I don't know. I would have liked to see more like ellie dina adventures together because that day one i really enjoyed Mm -hmm. just their dynamic and uh i guess they're probably trying to parallel to mel's pregnancy which i don't know i the whole two pregnancies thing it felt a little bit repeated but i can see what they're going for yeah i think dina's pregnancy had more to do with at the end of the game when ellie has the most perfect life that a person could ask for in this world Mm -hmm. she is not willing to move on yeah that is fair like she cannot get over joel's death and she cannot get over the events that transpired earlier in the game and so i mean perhaps it is lazy but i think it it gives good reason for ellie to uh for for dina to be rightfully pissed off that Ellie cannot be happy with the life that they've tried to build. No, I agree. Like, she's got the house and her wife and this baby that they're both taking care of, but she still had to go out there and try and get revenge, which, no, I agree to that point. We're we're kind of working towards it, but how did you guys feel about the ending? That, that epilogue, almost, it feels like Red Dead Redemption's epilogues of... Ellie going back out there and I'm trying again to kill Abby despite what it takes. I mean, I liked that part of the story. Um, it that, that entire scene of Ellie fighting Abby was very painful. Um, I, I myself didn't get as attached to Abby as like probably most other players. But even still, just that entire fight scene of these two badasses just kind of duking it out um while they're both very very injured because abby was captured and ellie suffering a bad stab wound it was hard to watch at times and i'm overall happy that abby ended up not getting killed because which i kind of want to touch on in a little bit because of this newfound storyline in abby and lev which i like a lot well that's kind of backtracking so why don't you go into that how do you feel about abby and lev's relationship yeah so i am a huge fan of it um i you know yara and lev are probably my two favorite two were the two my two favorite characters like new characters introduced in this game Mm -hmm. 
and I just like how um, Abby just kind of became this almost beacon for Lev after Yara's death, and even before Yara's death, like, their adventure together was probably, that was when I was most involved in Abby's story. Like, I found myself struggling to care about Abby's friends like Owen and Mel and Nora, but when Yara and Lev came in, that's when, like, I was kind of grabbed by Abby's story was uh, at that point. And, yeah, I just love that dynamic of those two. It helps, too, right, that the gameplay in those moments is so fucking good. Like, when Abby is caught by Seraphites and they go to hang her and Lev and Yara end up saving her, and it's just like, you only have Abby's muscles mm-hmm. and this torch, and stalkers are just going to start coming out and from the dark, it's like... Oh, that was horrifying. That's why this is coming out in October for Horror Month. Like, that moment was... This game is genuinely scary. It is. And having moments... Having a bonding moment with like that with these characters is a really smart way to, like, give the player a fun set piece and quickly establish a caring relationship for all three of them. And they did it again when uh, they're in that, like, little house area. Oh, they're fighting yes. off all these... Uh, infected coming in and Yara and Lev found a way out and Abby couldn't fit so she trusted them to go find an alternative route and eventually she found herself doubting like oh they those damn seraphites they abandoned me yeah but uh, eventually you know that was just they they were able to get her out and oh that was just great it takes longer than it feels like that should it should that section which yeah. is so smart again from a meta level mm-hmm Abby is kind of the Joel of this game. Like, Joel in the first game needed to learn to be more trusting and needed to learn to be more hopeful like Ellie was. It's just a sort of different hope where Ellie's was very optimistic on a grand world scale. Joel just wanted a better life for himself. And Abby starts off extremely cynical and extremely untrustworthy and then has to learn how to trust someone she was not raised with Mm -hmm. like she didn't know her entire life and that's and abby and ellie's arcs are flipped where abby becomes more sympathetic and more trusty trusting ellie becomes less trusting and less uh naive just a build it's it's a very smart way to flip the characters worlds Mm -hmm. Just to build on that point that you made, like, Abby isn't just trusting, like, some random person. She's trusting the enemy. She's trusting yeah. Wolf's enemy, who they're mm-hmm. at war with. And she's probably seen many wolves killed by Seraphites. So that's just another viewpoint to that. And it's it's so smart because, like, Abby and Ellie are almost like a linear Venn diagram in the sense of, right, like, if this game focused on abby we jump in if there was like a whole game about abby's abby's revenge tale we jump in like 80 percent of the way through the game so we see with her that revenge didn't bring back the people she loved like she is still having nightmares about her father dying like running into that room they keep happening even after joel is killed it is only after she saves Yara and Lev that she's able to stop having these nightmares and that foreshadows for us like there is a future if you choose forgiveness and that's why it's so hard as Ellie to 
keep pushing forward. You are pushing forward as the player. Her revenge tale that you know won't end well because of this flipped coin with Abby. It, I was going to say, it's extremely smart storytelling. For sure. Like, if, if it's the way to get you to care about a character that you have no right to care about. That the game has no right to make you care about. Yeah. And mm-hmm. for me, it did it. It made me care about this character that killed one of my favorite characters in video games ever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's damn near impossible. If you made me, like, sympathize with the person that kills Elizabeth, not going to yeah. do it. There's no way. Is that a Bioshock reference? Hypothetically yeah. speaking, not a spoiler for Bioshock. Well, the game's seven years old anyway. I'm Actually, I take that back. I hate when people say You're that right. because people will be like, oh, you haven't seen Godfather yet? It's however many years old. I'm like, bitch, I'm 14. When am I going to watch Godfather? <laughs> That's a that's a side rant. <laughs> You're 22. Well, this was back then. I know. <laughs> People would always be like in high school to me. Uh, you call yourself a film buff, and you haven't seen uh, <laughs> Talladega know, Nights, Goodfellas, <laughs> yeah. Gone with the Wind. You haven't seen Tootsie. <laughs> Tootsie. <laughs> they say it like that too. I'm like, no, I haven't seen every movie. You're telling me you haven't seen American Pie, but you have a Letterbox account. Like, who even are you? <laughs> Uh, I, I want to kind of head back to the ending because this game is really po- powerful with symbolism and certainly we could all run through a whole list of things and we probably would catch on like a fraction of what's actually in the game but the one that I think I latched on to the most was water so water often symbolizes life or in Christianity it's a purification of the soul right so baptism like at the end of Bioshock Infinite um in movies, there's also a moonlight, and there will be blood, or the ending of Children of Men, which, Bovo, we gotta watch Children of Men at some point, because that movie is perfect. It's under two hours, and it is identical to Last of Us, basically. Okay. Um, and Last of Us now fits into that, because you have Abby. I interpreted the scene when she decides to pursue saving Levin Yara. She... It's raining in that scene, so that's kind of like her baptism as she realizes, like, oh, I am now choosing this nonviolent path, um, which ends up being the right choice again as her nightmares begin to fade. But then when she finds the dead bodies of Owen and Mel, she actually throws up seawater. So I feel like that, though it is like a common response to trauma and media, I feel like that's also symbolizing her like rejection of this baptism that she underwent so then she immediately is like i'm going to find ellie finds the map and you hunt her down until of course lev stops you from actually killing uh, ellie and dina and then with ellie having that ending fight in water um very ending with abby going away on the boat and she's just sitting there like this is her baptism this is almost like her forced baptism uh in this ending scene and her realizing which Abby learned like in the first half of her arc, like death is not the answer. Like violence is not the answer. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I thought that was incredibly powerful and I was immediately like drawing links to Bioshock infinite. So I wanted to touch on that. Also from a gameplay perspective, it makes you think like, Oh shit, 
these things are happening at the same time. So like while it's raining during the Seraphite sequence, I was like, oh, Ellie's going to the aquarium. Yeah, true. Foreshadowing. Like this is happening. This is happening at the same time. And that was so cool in the moment to think about how everything lined up. Yeah. And uh, makes me so. And but the the interesting thing then is that same if the metaphor works, that same rain is falling onto Ellie. She has her hood up and a rain jacket on. She rejects it. It's a good oh, point. Oh, yeah. good point. I just I just thought of that now because I <laughs> I'm such a dweeb. I was watching Watch Mojo's top ten moments from The Last of Us Two so I could remember like the big set pieces. Oh. And <laughs> Watch Mojo. <laughs> I know that's the correct response. Uh, sorry, Watch Mojo. If you're willing to sponsor us, we'll take it back. Um, no. <laughs> Bova won't. Well, I don't think Watch Mojo is going to sponsor <laughs> no, us. But, um, but yeah, so I did see that scene and I remembered that she's dressed like that. Yeah, that whole... I like that water uh, baptism point that you brought up. It's something I never really thought of. And talking about like the very, very end of the game, um, just the fact that Ellie loses her fingers and thus the ability to play guitar and like the oh, i was gonna bring this up oh well I'll, I'll let you take it ryan oh i was just gonna say like the only thing she has left of joel is her ability to play guitar yeah and the guitar that was handed down to her and when abby bites off her fingers <laughs> And she goes back to the farm at the end of the game. And the last thing she does is tries to play, the so- play Joel's song. And she just can't do it. Like the mm-hmm. last thing that she had connecting her to Joel is gone. Yeah. And that's absolutely devastating. So I agree that that part's devastating. But to, to expand it, how do you guys interpret the ending? Um, because... Even though we don't see Abby again, the new Game Plus loading screen implies that Abby and Lev did make it to Catalina Island with the Fireflies. Um, Do you consider this game uh, uplifting ending or just as pessimistic as kind of the rest of the game is? Um, I found, not gonna lie, I was even even if considering that we're saying that like Abby and Lev made it to the fireflies this ending left me definitely very depressed in a way because even though we see ellie you know making the wrong decisions every time and time again um it still really hurts to see this character that i love and adore so much who is just trying to make right in the world for you know she she's been through a lot yeah and um just to see her just lose everything one by one it's very very painful to see um like i don't think she's necessarily a bad person she's just very motivated and it ultimately ended up being her downfall yeah i think the central theme that i took from the end of the game and it's interesting because in the parallels going on Abby sort of goes back to a past life with the fireflies. Yeah. In a past hope, whereas Ellie, her, her world is gone. And like to me, what the ending meant was 
you need to move on. You need to mm-hmm. keep going, especially in a world that's that unforgiving. Mm-hmm. Like you need to just uh, pick your pick yourself up and keep walking. Yeah, I mean, just look at the end of the first game. Joel's like, you gotta just keep finding something else to fight for. And when he's talking to Ellie about mm-hmm. his daughter's death, yeah. Um, I feel like that's what her picking up the guitar and not being able to play it and then just leaving the house. I feel like that's what I took from that is like she just needs to find a new reason to keep living. Mm -hmm. And for that reason, um, maybe it's the naive uh, optimism in me, but I feel like it is almost a happy ending because I feel like it's very, I should say it's melancholic um, because I believe it's clear that Dina packed up and went back to Jackson, which isn't that far considering there are journal entries that talk about how Jesse's parents came to visit and Tommy comes, obviously, and because Ellie's stuff is all still there. I feel like I like to think Dina would take her back, and because the game chooses to end not on Ellie looking sad playing the guitar, it ends on a pan around to the window and her walking forward, moving on like you're talking about, Ryan. I feel like that's now both of the characters have closure. Like, I I would be angry if there was another game, unless it was just this world and new characters. Like, if Mm -hmm. Ellie's story continued, I would be upset because I hope she has now rejected the violence that she learned from Joel, honestly, and she learned from this world in general. Mm -hmm. I think the next Last of Us game is just going to be a Factions game. But the one after that, if if they make one after that, I do not want a continuation of Ellie's story. I would be okay with a continuation of Abby's story. Yes, that's a good point. I, w- I would love to see more of Abby, personally. Abby and Liv. Which it would be interesting to... I mean, I don't know where you go after this story, honestly. Like, I probably would call it quits. <laughs> do you have any evidence for that, Ryan? Like, have they talked about factions being a new game or something? They said uh, they wanted factions to be in Last of Us 2, but the game got too big. Their factions expansion got too big. Okay. And they were like, we could, this could be a separate game. So so they're uh, waiting on it, I think. Okay. Or it might be a PS5 title. I don't know. I know that they've said that they were working on factions and it got kind of overdeveloped. <laughs> Yeah, because there was going to be multiplayer in the game up until like the last few months before it came out. Like people, they were saying there would be multiplayer. I'm pretty oh, sure. Wow. Mm-hmm. And it's a long, it's a long game. Like it's yeah. it's sixty dollars worth, even outside of factions. That's why I feel like with the first game is like, I think it's sixty dollars worth without multiplayer. But the multiplayer, this was also at the point where video every video game had multiplayer, and it wasn't always great. <laughs> but they did a really good job of making the last of us world fit and gameplay fit in a multiplayer context for sure. Like it's not a TDM and, and just the fact that like you see your lives ticking down and there are supplies you can get. And there's like the multiplayer. I was watching gameplay of that. It's brutal. It is. It's just as brutal as the first game as the base game. Granted, there is sort of an arcadey element to killing your friends or randoms online (laughs) that, is opposite of the theme of the game probably but you know it's not it's not a deal breaker yeah no i 
I want to get into Last of Us multiplayer, but I'm so bad at it. I'm so bad. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I ever could, but the way they did it is very unique and definitely fits with the world that they outlined in the single player game. I will totally play Factions if it comes out. Like a Factions oh. game, I will absolutely. It looks like so much fun. That would be sweet. I need to play it with people. I don't think I'd play it by myself. <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'd play it with you, Ryan. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Gotta invest in a PS5 first, though. <laughs> Probably. I need to get Cyberpunk. Oh, oh true, yeah. I'm getting a PS5 for Cyberpunk. <laughs> nice. I was going to get one for Miles Morales, but it's going to PS4, so I'm going to wait. <laughs> oh, perfect. I can put off spending money a bit longer. <laughs> yeah, until Cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Cyberpunk, any closing thoughts for The Last of Us 2? <laughs> uh i love it i think it's a great game i think it's one of my, it's also one of my favorite games i do this thing where i just kind of group an entire franchise into being like yeah the bioshock games are my favorite games of all time yeah mm-hmm. last of us is probably my second favorite video game franchise wow yeah i also we didn't touch on it at all but the soundtrack by gustavo i don't know how to say his last name santeolala santeolala it it's incredible it's so good Mm -hmm. it's perfect Mm -hmm. like he uses a lot of like latin american traditional instruments and like he records like singing saws which is this like violin bow that you kind of play on a saw and it makes this like wind chime noise it's very bizarre very cool stuff that's so cool he does that's why we have a music major on the instruments yeah he says he likes to play instruments that he doesn't know Mm. because then he can find the weird noises that they make and (laughs) use them to his advantage wow that's cool he's incredible one year they had the it was when god of war was coming out and they had this huge orchestra playing the god of war theme and it was amazing and then the next year was last of us 2 and it was just him playing a band (laughs) and that's it it was in the tent. <laughs> to quote Brian David Gilbert, like, oh, they paid for this. Or what does he say? <laughs> oh, yeah, they really paid for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good BDG impersonation. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Bova, any closing thoughts or anything outside of gameplay slash story that you want to talk about? Um, just say on soundtrack real quick, because Ryan brought it up. I absolutely love the soundtrack. Um, and... Ryan, do you know if it was the was it the same comp- or artist for both games behind the soundtrack? Yes. Okay. Yeah. He came back. Okay. Cool. It's just like it's such an authentic sound when you hear even just like a couple chords. You're like, that's the Last of Us, and that's what yeah. I love about it. But um, closing thoughts on this, um, I still hold the first game near and dear to my heart. I still prefer it to the second game just because of story. Um, I just absolutely fell in love with the first game. And uh, the second game, I liked it overall. I would probably give it, if I give the first game a 10, I would probably give the second one either a 7.5 or an 8 out of 10 on everything. You know, gameplay-wise, it's a 10 out of 10. Soundtrack is 10 out of 10. Um, just a couple of my quarrels of the story um, and how I felt about it brought it down a couple points but it's still a fantastic game and i would recommend anybody play it and for me just um kind of the one not side thing that i bring up is the voice acting in this game is incredible 
um yeah. ashley johnson that's her name right? ashley johnson so troy baker yeah yeah and i don't know abby's voice actor though oh i did know at one point because i would check on her instagram and like see if she was talking about all the hate she was getting <laughs> she only mentioned it like once or twice which is mm. good for her but um they're all absolutely incredible it's tough notch voice acting like you don't see this cast anywhere else in gaming i feel like yeah if you um i don't know if any of you have seen it but the uh documentary grounded on the playstation uh youtube channel is really excellent about like i think it was released before the game so they don't really go into spoilery stuff but it was a um it shows how the music was made and shows the composer talking about making the music and recording the music it shows the voice actors acting in person in suits. Wow. Uh, the animators animating said voice actors, the set designers, the concept artists, every single aspect of this game is touched upon. Even stuff that you would not think would be included in a documentary about a video game is included. Like, it is kind of an ad for the game, but it's still excellent and just how it shows it shows how much love went to the first game mm-hmm. yeah. I, I will definitely check that out i meant to before we record a podcast but that was back when we thought about recording over the summer i completely forgot about it but i <laughs> oh, definitely yeah. would like to watch that i just want to add to that real quick i thought about re-watching it i just want to add to that real quick um i don't know if it's from the same exact thing that you're talking about ryan but just like going on youtube and watching the uh the mocap of like my some of my favorite scenes from the first game i haven't done it for the second game yet but it's just like it's just as powerful and even just like they'll have like the voice actors talk about it afterwards like there's one scene where ashley johnson is like frustrated and she adds in a push into the mocap scene that no Druckmann didn't account for and you just like that's it that's going into the game it's just <laughs> like it's it's fantastic i love it also, one side note, since you brought up Neil Druckmann and the person who played Abby, they had a bunch of people audition for the role of Abby, and they, the scene they had them do was the scene of killing Joel, and the person who plays Abby, she was the only one that did it with, like, sadness behind her eyes. Everyone else took it as, like, an empowering moment, but she was the only one that tied grief into it, and Neil Druckmann was like, ugh. I don't want to use her because she's actually in the first game and he doesn't like to double up, but he was like, I have to with Mm -hmm. that, that understanding of this character. Mm -hmm. That's cool. And just my personal closing thoughts. um, I don't think I gave a rating, but I would give the first game maybe a 9.5 out of 10, not to be petty. Um, And I would give this game an absolute 10 out of 10. Both games are in my top 10. Last of Us 2 is probably in my top five alongside like Spider-Man, black op zombies <laughs> um bioshock this game uh walking dead that one tomb raider game that we played for free oh i forgot about that that was so much fun <laughs> that was very bizarre it was a very bad game the three hour demo the three hour demo of diablo 3 we played <laughs> <laughs> that was so boring i did not latch on to diablo at all yeah i'm sorry i made you play that no it was fun now I could say I That's played right. Diablo when no one asked me. Is it, is it a League of Legends game <laughs> type? I've never played Diablo. It's like role playing. I don't know how to describe it. 
League, League of Legends is like MMO, right? Yeah. I should say I'm not, I don't play video games really at all. So if we end up doing a video game podcast, that means like it is the one video game I'm playing in the year. <laughs> but That's not true. We did. We got through a lot. We did. You're right. We got through XCOM. We got through Heavy Rain. Oh, the best game we played this Heavy year. Heavy Rain was so much fun. I think we talked about XCOM last time, but Heavy Rain was a blast, especially if you could play it alongside someone. That was so much fun. <laughs> uh, Just to like, because you like... There's a mutual love for what's going on, but it's kind of a bad game. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's it's a great game to play, but and watch unfold, but it's like bad from a like a serious writing standpoint. Yeah. Yeah, we would always say it's like me and Ryan, it was the perfect person to play it with because like we could make fun of it while understanding that we were truly loving this experience. <laughs> That's awesome. Having fun. We had a horrible Do you remember the glitch where Yes, it's on YouTube. It like you showed me that. Yeah, it was um it was this one like torture scene and you can leave the house before it happens and the game thought we left the house, but we were still in the torture <laughs> scene. So our character just started tweaking out. Yeah. It was amazing. It did it didn't know where to put the character model, so it was just freaking out for like 4 minutes. That's incredible. We're trying to do quick time events that are literally life and death for this character <laughs> while like bawling our eyes out because we were laughing so hard. <laughs> but this has been so much fun, you guys. I want to be respectful of your time because it is a Friday night, but I love this conversation. Thank you for uh, getting together for this first Halloween episode and our finally us finally being able to talk about The Last of Us. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, it was a ton of fun. Thank you. I was very excited for this one because I think there's so much to talk about with this franchise. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It This podcast could have been six hours long. Um, yeah, I agree. I still had another hour left in me, I think. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to have to do another recording? Are we going to have to make a video essay? <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> oh, but thank you guys so much. Do you guys have anything you want to promote? I'll start with Ryan since he's a usual host. I have a band. You might have heard of it or not. I think <laughs> I promoted it last time. Uh, we're called Beach Tower. We just released our first EP um, about a, a few September 3rd, I believe it was. Um, it was a ton of fun. We recorded it in three days. Uh, it was very stressful, but it's out. I'm very proud of it. And I hear uh, from the grapevine that we... There should be some more recordings soon. Ooh. So go follow us on Instagram at Beach Tower Music and Twitter at Beach Tower Music. We also have Facebook and MySpace, but I don't recommend you follow those for uh, <laughs> private reasons. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I also have a YouTube video, uh, YouTube um, channel where I post short films. Oh, and a podcast. And I, I have a podcast with my co-host Lucas uh, called You Have to Hear This. It's currently in hiatus, but I'm hoping to get it back up in a week or two. I guess we'll see how much time I have. Sweet. Thanks, Ryan. And uh, I can say uh, unbiasedly that the EP is absolutely phenomenal. Um, I posted, promoted it on my social media, and I got a bunch of random people texting me like, this is actually like really good. <laughs> so that was awesome to see. Thank you so much. But Cool. Bovo, where can people find stuff you do? Um, I'm not very active in any sort of like medium at the moment but if people want to follow me on instagram i'm at nick.bova 
and occasionally I'll do Twitch streams. I haven't done one in months, but it's White Bark TV. If you want to follow me, that'd be sweet. But um, <laughs> yeah, don't expect much from me. Yet. I'm not very active on that stuff at the moment. But I am looking to maybe find some sort of creative outlet in the future. Awesome. I wanted to, you to shout out the Twitch stream because I know you <laughs> played a little bit of Last of Us on Twitch. So I did. Yeah, I did. I don't think it's on there anymore. I think they took it down, but I did. They took it down? <laughs> well, yeah, it, it, it autosaves and then it deletes after like a couple months. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, we'll put both the uh, Ryan and Bova and my stuff in the description. Um, I'll only really shout out the YouTube channel since we talked about it. Uh, only a couple of videos up there now that are mainly gameplay related. We got the Heavy Rain video. And then also I made a compilation of dumb moments from Red Dead Redemption because even though that game is great. There were a lot of moments that pissed me off. Um, so you can check that out in the description below. Thank you guys again so much for recording. This has been a blast. I'm Clayton Terry. I'm Ryan Terry. I'm Nick Bova. <laughs> Thank you for listening, and we will see you later. Oh, my God, who's going to do the funny out- outro quip? Ryan, Ethan's not here. Uh, I, I wasn't prepared. Bova, a quip. A quip? Yeah, quip real quick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>